I always feel so cool when I have that kind of music and I'm walking up. You know, I just want to, she kind of walk up. And, oh, oh, back goes up. Anyways, we had a great Easter last week, uh, last weekend, so hopefully you were uh, here for that. Uh, we, had, we know of one individual, anyways, that um, had uh, indicated salvation. Uh, kind of a cool thing. I'm not sure if I shared this before, but in 2021, we had 21 people uh, pray to accept Christ. Uh, which is awesome, and uh, and then from January to this past Sunday, we've had 22 people so far uh, pray to accept Christ. So, yeah, this is awesome. <clears throat> uh, so thankful to be able to be a part of that and to see people's lives transformed, uh, not just here, but obviously for eternity. And uh, just a real big thanks to all those that served. Um, we had some people here for all four services, and it takes a lot of, uh, of people to do what we do, and uh, I just want to thank everybody who volunteered and were a part of that to help that um, weekend go so well. I think all three campuses, um, every campus at least, or they uh, got close to doubling or doubled, so we were real close to actually doubling our average Sunday morning attendance, so that's pretty cool. Uh, and again, the purpose for that is to... Is to give people the gospel of Jesus Christ, see people come to faith in Christ. And so we had the opportunity to do that, and we're uh, excited about that. Ever wonder why? I'm going to be in a series asking some uh, real basic but not easy questions, questions that people ask. And today we're going to look at the question, why did God let it happen? Have you ever asked that? Uh, maybe just in your own head, or maybe you're talking with somebody, and you're looking at, what's going on in your life, <clears throat> or what's happened to you, somebody's done something to you, or maybe it was a, a loved one who's passed away, or maybe it passed away too soon, or some health issue, or just, you know, you're kind of a global person, so you're looking at what's going on in our world today and wondering, you know, why does God let that happen? Why, why does he allow it in our lives? And so this morning, um, I can't address everyone's individual it, Okay, um, but we all have an it or more it's. Anyways, um, but we have them right. We've all experienced them. As a pastor, um, I hear you know some just really incredibly sad stories of of things that have happened to people, choices they've made, and things have gone down. Or um, the hard ones are the things that have happened to us that we weren't even expecting or wanting. Um, that type of thing. And, and then as a human being, because I am also that, by the way, I, you guys understand it, right? Pastors are humans too. Um, you know, I've personally experienced that. Kim and I, as a, as a couple, have experienced things that we just kind of look at and say, man, you know, why did God let, the, let it happen? So we, we can't, unfortunately, we can't hear on a Sunday morning necessarily deal with all the different kinds of it's. But I want you to know that I'm always available to do that. So during the week, um, to spend some time together talking through your particular it and how it is that God may want to use that or how God's working in that or um, why even that may have happened, though we don't always have that answer. Um, I, I told the first hour, I'll tell you that if you want to do that over lunch and you're buying, I'm 100% behind that. Uh, just, just want you to know. Uh, but probably better just do my office because it's, you know, we have more uh, privacy and a little more time. Um, for there. But what I want to do this morning is um, I want to kind of lay a foundation for, um, 
for us so that as we go through suffering and pain, that we have a foundation from which to work, uh, a way to respond appropriately um, to those individual it's that we might have in our lives. The Bible is a Bible, once Genesis 3 happened and on, the Bible is a Bible about um, pain and suffering. I mean, that's, if you just read through it, that's one of the things that probably hits you right off the bat. Um, there's pain and suffering, but it also in that then gives us the answers that we need as we deal with the issues of, of pain and suffering. So we want to do that this morning. When we ask the question, why did God let it happen? We're really asking this question, and that is, if God is a good God, and we believe that he is, and he's a loving God, and we believe that he is, the Bible tells us both of those things, why does he allow pain and suffering into our lives? Because wouldn't a good, loving God keep pain and suffering from happening in our lives? And people have asked that questions, question ever since Genesis 3, um, and so we want to be able to ask that question as well. But sin, as it came into this world, um, brought with it pain and suffering, and God has something to say about that. Uh, the Greek philosopher Epicurus, uh, he developed a philosophy of life based off of basically the natural, the science, the physical. And the reason why is because he had this, uh, this isn't a direct quote, it's just kind of summarizing what he said in his, his thinking. Now, this is 2,300 years ago. This is prior to Christ even. Uh, this guy is having this Greek philosopher, and a lot of people have built their life off of what he's, uh, he uh, teaches. But he says this, if God knows about our suffering, he's all-knowing, so he does. He cares about our suffering, he's all-loving, so he would do that, and can do something about our suffering, because he's all-powerful, then there shouldn't be any suffering. And then he went on to, to decide that, therefore, since suffering exists, God must not exist. But here's the problem. That's a man, starting with man, who believes that the ultimate purpose of man is comfort, is being pleased, is not having difficulties <clears throat> in their life. And, and the problem with that is, too often, that's how we all look at it, including Christians. We look at pain and suffering from the standpoint of, Hey, that's messing up my comfort. That's, that's messing up what my life is to be. My life is to be good and peaceful and calm, and, and I'm not to have any disruptions in it. The problem with that is that's not, even a, that's not even anywhere found in the Bible as a biblical concept, especially if you're a Christian. And Jesus said we we're going to have problems, we we're going to have persecutions, we we're going to have issues in our lives. And so... The reason why we think that, I think probably more than anybody else in the world, is that we live in the um, Western civilization, and particularly in America, and life is easy. Uh, life is not a difficult thing, really, to get through, right? I mean, look at us. You guys all look great, dressed really nice, sitting in a nice, comfortable... Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Kevin's like, oh, hey, thanks, Pastor. Appreciate that. <laughs> Settle down. Um, you know, we got a comfortable chair. I, I went and kicked on the air conditioning because it's getting a little bit warm in here. I don't care if you guys think it's not. It was for me, so I kicked it on because I have that control. And it was wonderful. It's just peaceful. It's, it's, it's a comfortable world. So therefore, our lives should be comfortable. So 
But when it comes to suffering, we have to start with God. Because God's the one who created all this. It's what we believe. And so, and what the Bible teaches us. So God created all of this, and because he's the one who created us, and evidently, according to the question, the one who's allowing it to happen, we need to find out um, why that is. Now, for me, whenever I start looking at life issues, what I do is I look at, I go back to the beginning and say, okay, God created. So why did God create? That, to me, that's a great way of kind of laying the foundation of why we have this suffering in our lives. So we're going to look at why God created, and then we're going to, from there, kind of understand um, why he allows these things to happen. So turn to uh, Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. It's page 725, if you're using the Bible there in the chairs. And uh, God's having a conversation with Isaiah. He wants Isaiah to bring this message to, to Israel. Israel in the Old Testament was the nation that was supposed to represent God to the world and teach the world about who he was. And so we're taking this information and we're kind of bringing it to our day because as Christians, that's our responsibility today is to represent God and to share him, make him known to the world. And so we're going to kind of take this information, the spiritual truths for ourselves. And he says this in verse 7, Everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory... That's a key phrase. I've created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. And so we understand that this, um, the reason why God created, created us is for his glory. Everything is created, but specifically us. Now, we struggle with this concept. God is the greatest, best being to ever exist. All right? And he exists in and of himself. No one created God. God is God. God is the one who created all. And he is the greatest, best being to ever exist. And so knowing him is the greatest, best thing for we as his created beings to experience. The best thing for us is to know God personally. To have a relationship with God. So God says, I've created you for my glory. Now glory is a good Christianese word, and it can mean a lot of different things. People use it all the time, and some people, glory! You know, and that's, okay, whatever. But glory basically means this, revealing or showing. So when you live life your way, and I live life my way, I'm bringing glory to myself. I'm revealing to others, this is how Harold lives life. All right? So God, when he shows his glory, he's showing who he is, his character, his attributes, his purposes, how he works. And so God created in order to reveal to us, to allow us to get to know who God is and, and to uh, enjoy him. And so he reveals himself, not just through the pages of the Bible, but then by interacting with us, going through with us what we're going through. And he reveals who he is when, he, when we allow him to meet our mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual needs. That's the interacting part. We know what God says in the Bible, but then we have to go into life taking what the Bible says, and in that we are having God interact with us, in us, through us, and then we get to know him. You can only know details about God if you read the Bible. You will know him personally if you allow him to interact and meet your needs in your life. 
So it's in our pain and suffering that we're most aware of our needs. We have needs all the time. But when life is good, when we go to bed and we get up in the morning, have our breakfast, go to work, work's a great day, the boss is awesome, coworkers are awesome, come home, the, the husband or wife, they've had a great day too. And so it's like, woohoo, let's have dinner together and go sit on the back porch and kind of watch everything grow and birds flying around. And, and it's just a wonderful, beautiful day. It's just awesome. It's funny, when that happens, we never go, why does God allow that to happen? <laughs> you know, but it's good. We never question God because we kind of look at it and go, well, yeah, because he should give me what I need. He should give me what I like. Again, wrong perspective. But when we're in our times of pain and suffering, it's when we, we recognize our needs and God's presence and power if we do it His way, if we allow Him to operate in our lives the way He wants to operate. We're going to talk more about that in the second main point. But for now, God goes on to say this in verse 10. He says, You are my witnesses. So that speaks to our purpose, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. So why did he choose us? So that. So why did God choose? Now again, I'm talking to Christians right now. Why did God choose us to be in relationship with him? So that you and I may know and believe me, or that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. What? The Lord, the self-existing, eternal, personal God. Before me there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. And so once we know Him personally, then the goal there, the next thing He says is that we're to make Him known. He says, you are my witnesses. A witness is somebody who um, goes before a court and says, hey, this is what happened. This is the truth of the matter. Call the witness. And so as we go through suffering, the way God says to go through suffering, then God works in our lives and does what He's going to do in and through us, and other people are going to see that. We're going to testify, in that sense, to who God is, how good God is, how God operates, and how God's going to operate in their life if they allow Him to do that. And so we need to make Him known to others. The other thing he says is that we need to serve him. So we've been created to make him known. We're also created to serve him. This is a difficult one for us. You see, God's not our servant. God's not obligated to give us anything that we need. What we deserve is hell because of our sin. We've broken his laws. We've disobeyed. And so anything that we get in life, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, your life is grace. Because you technically shouldn't be alive, any of us, because we've sinned against God. So everyone's life is grace. It's, an oppor- it's a gift given to them for them to potentially turn to God and have a relationship with Him. Some of us have already made that decision. And so even more so that we are His servants. And He's not obligated to do anything in our lives for us. I tell God, I I want this to happen. And God's not obligated to do that for me. Why? Because I'm his servant. He's not my servant. What, what happens is, as, as I'm his servant, and as you are his servant, 
the responsibility is whatever he gives us, the good stuff I just talked about a little while ago, or the bad stuff that we go through, we're responsible to manage it the way he says to. Why? Because it's all his that he's given to us. And so we're supposed to manage it the way he says to manage it, to receive from it whatever it is he's going to give us through it. The good stuff, as well as the bad stuff. Again, from our perspective, good or bad. See, his way is the best way. And so that means it's the best way for us. Then God summarizes at the end of verse 10, he says, to know, believe, and understand that I am he. In other words, to know, which we all get that word, right? To know something. To have trust in, because that's what the word believe means, to have trust in, and to see the truth. So the understanding is to see the truth of who God is at work in our life. That's what that word understanding means. So what's the truth? Well, the truth is that God is God. That He is the self-existing one, the eternal one. That he is the only one worthy of our trust. And again, most often, it's through our pain and suffering, as we turn to him, based on what we know from God's word, and we trust him by responding the way he wants us to respond, and then then we see him at work in our lives, and fulfilling our, our needs mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, whatever it is, as he, as he works and meets our needs, then we realize, yeah, he is the one who's worthy to be trusted. You, you can't trust a God that you haven't seen at work in your life. Is it maybe another way to put it? We want to, yeah, I believe in God, I believe in God, yeah, but we're not even willing to trust him to do life the way he says to do it. And so we need to do that. And when we do that, then we're going to see God at work. And now that trust, in a sense, is easy because we're seeing him fulfill his promises. So that's why God created us, to ultimately know him personally and make him known. So where does, where does pain and suffering come into play here? Why, why does he allow it? Now, the first reason is going to maybe blow you away a little bit, but I think you'll hopefully, Lord willing, you'll understand it by the time I get done. But he allows pain and suffering in our lives because he loves us. That doesn't seem right, right? I mean, wouldn't you think if somebody loves you, they're going to make sure that life is good for you. You're going to, all your needs will be met and not a problem, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, he, he loves us. And let me just kind of flesh this out for you if I can. So God is a God um, who operates out of free will. God can do whatever he wants to do. He can make any choice he wants to choose. Now, he's a good, loving, gracious, all-powerful God, and so he can't sin. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Thank the Lord for that. So everything he does is good. Everything he chooses to do is good. It's loving. And so he's got this free will. So he freely chose... Because he didn't have to. He doesn't need us. He is complete within who he is. Again, big, huge concept, theological concept, Trinity. He is complete in who he is. He has no deficiencies. He doesn't need anything. So he freely chooses to create you and me because he wants us to know this incredible, great being that he is. 
It says that God created us in His image. It means several different things, but for our discussion this morning is He's given us free will. We are like God in the sense that we have free will. We're just not perfect. We happen to have evil in us because of sin. See, here's the deal. God doesn't want robots. God wants us to be in a relationship with Him, but He's not going to make us robots. You know, when God says, pray to me, now, oh, Lord, thank you for this day. You know, it, we don't want robots, right? You can't have, that was a terrible robot, I'm sorry. But, you know, you can't have a relationship with a robot. And if you are, let's mark down a time to have a conversation in my, in my office. No, seriously, you can't have a, you can't have a relation, not a, not a human, uh, deep, spiritual, emotional, you know, relationship And God's not going to force himself on us because he loves us. So he's not going to force us into a relationship. Love me! That's abuse. So God doesn't do that. He wants us to operate like he operates and he wants us to freely choose him. To freely choose to be in a relationship with him. So having free will then allows us to choose whether we want to love God and obey Him, or to choose to not love Him and not obey Him. Another way to put it is, we can choose to do right, or we can choose to do wrong. So Romans 8, 6 puts it this way. For the mind set on the flesh. Now the mind set on the flesh, this is a big way of saying, a person who wants to do life their way is death. Is pain, ultimately it's, it's death and hell, but here on earth it's pain and suffering. Man, if we could just get this in our heads, you know, and again, I'm not saying I got it either. If we could just get this in our heads, if I, would, if I do life my way, if I think I know better, anytime I go, yeah, but I think, anytime I do that and then I operate off of that, I'm going to ultimately bring pain and suffering to me, to somebody else, probably to both. But the mindset and the spirit, the one who is wanting to do life God's way, is life and peace. In other words, it sets the conditions necessary for growth. For my growth and hopefully somebody else's growth, but for growth. See, sin, when sin happened, Genesis 3, sin permeated the world. Not just mankind, but as representatives of the earth in that sense. It, it permeated nature. That's why we have weeds, and that's why we have illnesses and disease, and um, we have uh, natural disasters, you know, just all that kind of... It's, it's, the Bible talks about the, the earth is in like upheaval. And sin brought that on. Man's sin brought that on. And so some of that stuff, we just can't... You know, we're going to get sick. We're going to have disease. And so we just have to live with that. And yeah, sadly, like my mom, you know, she was doing great. And then seven weeks later, she was... In heaven, you know, she died, and we don't know why. After 94 years or 93 years and 30 some years with diabetes, why did all of a sudden boom that? Why? Did that, why? I, I don't. I don't know. Why did my dad have to be left alone? I mean, my my family was there, but left alone without his wife of what well, was it, 64 years for over a year before suddenly he just started really kind of just, you know dying in front of us, you know, why? Well, the answer is sin. I mean, not his necessarily his sin, but sin that's permeated. So there's that aspect. But when it comes to the personal side of things, 
Pain and suffering happens because we're choosing to do life our way. We may cause pain and suffering, or pain and suffering happens to us because somebody else is making those choices, and it's impacting us. And so really, the only way to get rid of pain and suffering, and one of these days, by the way, thank the Lord, it's going to be gone and when we're in heaven. But for now, the only way God would be able to get rid of pain and suffering was to either turn us into robots or get rid of us. Because our sin is the source of that aspect of pain and suffering. But God doesn't do that. Because he's going to use our pain and suffering for a greater purpose. Romans um, 6 says that, um, I almost went to my next verse, but I guess it is first. Romans 6, some of you guys, Greg's back there, ready to hit the next one because he saw me turn. Psych! Um, Romans 6, at the end, of the, the mindset and the spirit is life and peace. It says that if we do it God's way, it's setting the conditions for growth. Now, Romans eight twenty eight. this is how Paul goes on to say it later on in that chapter. He says, and we know that God causes all things, all things, good things and bad things, to work together for good. To those who love God, so those who have who've gone into relationship with Him and, and they're like, you know, I want to do life God's way. I want to do this the right way. To those who are called according to His purpose. So what's God's purpose for calling us into a relationship with Him? Next verse, verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, those who know him personally, he also predestined. That's a big theological word, which basically means he's going to make sure it happens. So if you place your faith in Christ, you're his, you're his servant, you're his child, and he's going to make sure that you grow spiritually, or as he puts it here, to become conformed to the image of his son. So his purpose is to train us to think and respond and be like Jesus Christ. So rather than get uh, rid of our free will or get rid of us, God wants to take us and grow us to become more like Jesus Christ. So God's greatest, God is the greatest and best being ever. So being able to become like we're not becoming gods, but to become like the greatest and best being should be what we want to go for. That's what he's offering to do for us. And again, I'm not saying that we're going to become gods, but we could become like him in the sense that we can think like him, we can respond like him and for the same purposes as he has. Now, let me just say this. Here's the deal. So allowing or causing even pain does not necessarily mean that the person who's doing it to us doesn't love us. It could be, but it doesn't always have to be that way, right? Parents, you who love your children, <laughs> I'm assuming you all do, but I'm just saying, you who love your children, you want your child, uh, you have a purpose, and your purpose is you want your child to become a, uh, an adult who can do life on their own, right? You don't want them calling you up saying, eh, I need your help, and they're 50 years old, right? You, don't, you want them doing life. So, you, so what do you do? Well, when they don't do it right, a loving parent causes suffering on the child. We call it discipline, but it's still suffering, right? 
We, we put some form of pain. If we're not, we should be putting some form of pain on our child so that they realize, oh, my actions are wrong and I need to change my actions so that I become a viable adult one of these days. doesn't mean we don't love them. It means we love them. And so we're going to give him that pain. Hagen still got his finger. The door didn't take it off. Could have, but it didn't. He's never slammed his finger intentionally in a door since. Right? I love that story. It's just so much fun. I can still see it in my head down in Fremont, back door. And it was just so much fun to watch. Anyways. <laughs> I mean, I could, have, I could have pulled him away, sat him down, put him in the corner. Time out for you. Don't slam the door. I could have made, you know, hit his rear end a little bit and say, that's painful. Yeah, but that would have been worse pain. You know, blah, blah. No, I just said, let him do it until he slams his finger in the door. And he did. He hasn't done it since. So he's grown to be, that's the man he is today. <laughs> well, about coaches? Those of you guys who've played sports, you know, organized anyways, your coach, you know, I've heard about friends who played football and they're out there in 90 degree weather, 100% humidity, pads on, helmets on, two-a-days. And they're like, yeah, we're doing this. I'm thinking, you're killing yourself. I'm at work making money, you know, drinking a Coke. And, you know, this is awesome. But they're killing themselves, and they love it. The, the coach causes pain. Why? Because he wants them to become better athletes. He wants them to win games. He wants them to win championships. And if he's a really good coach, he wants them to become better people. You know, people who are disciplined, people who are going to be adults. The doctor. Now, my, my doctors, I've had several different surgeons in my life. Um, they haven't been able to fix everything, but they've got most of it taken care of. Now, one of them has said, Harold, I love you. Which, and I'm glad, that's fine with me. I mean, if they love me, that's great too. But I'm just saying, I don't need them to love me. I need them to fix me. And so I've had doctors cut me open. My back, my front, my shoulders. Because there was a problem there. And they had to cause pain. The pain of surgery, the pain of therapy. Why? Because they had a greater purpose for me. And they don't even really care. They just want my money. They got a greater purpose. I've put like, kids through college. That's all I'm saying. You know, I'm the $100,000 man. But you guys didn't know that. <laughs> I know that's a million dollar man. But I'm just saying. I digress. So he did it because they had some, a greater purpose for me, for me to heal up and to become, you know, truth be told, if I didn't have my back surgeries, I'd be in a wheelchair today. So thank you for the doctor who caused me pain so that he had a greater purpose for me, so now I get to walk today. God uses pain and suffering to conform, mold, train us to become like Jesus Christ. And, and when we hear the word, ah, conform to the image of Jesus Christ, you know, great Christianese statement, and Christians are like, oh, yes, conform to the image of Jesus Christ. Have you thought about who Jesus Christ is recently? I know it's been Easter, right? Man, what a confident man. He was confident. He knew his stuff. He, he got into debates with religious leaders and he just trashed them. They had no clue. They didn't know what hit them. Man, it'd be great to be like Jesus. They had that confidence, that knowledge of, of Scripture and how we're supposed to do life. Man, he's compassionate. 
You see how he's dealt with different people who have come to him in sin and asked for his forgiveness and their lives are trash, pain and suffering. He's so compassionate with people. Wouldn't you love to be a compassionate person? To know who to give compassion to and who not to give compassion to? What? Patient. I mean, we're not like the disciples. Those disciples were people that needed patience. We're a lot better than them. But he's so patient with them. Man, don't we want to be patient like Jesus? He's strong. He took that death on the cross like a man. Man, don't we want to be like him? That's what he's talking about there. He's talking about being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. To not be people who are, but people going in. We got this. Why? Because God's got it. We're going to face this pain and suffering we're going to grow spiritually and become more like Jesus Christ. As I said at the beginning, we can't go through all the individual it's. Again, I'm always available. And, and maybe some of you are going through an it right now. You're sitting here going, okay, great, Harold, you're funny, haha. But I'm not really catching what you're saying because I'm so in it right now. I need something other than these, this theory and this foundation stuff. So I just want to give you guys some thoughts. And, some of, and those of us who are not going through something, eventually we're going to be going through something, right? We know that happens, right? And it's going to come when we least expect it most often. I had a friend of mine, pastor friend, says, in times of suffering, you don't ask why, you ask who. So in the midst of suffering, let's not ask why, let's ask who. Who's going to bring the comfort? When we're not feeling good physically, we go to a doctor, and the doctor gives us something to to feel good, to get through that. And so I want to I wanna close with what God says about who can comfort. And here, here's the deal. It's himself. If you're going through pain and suffering right now, God says, hey, listen, I'm not going to give you a pill. I'm not going to give you an angel. I'm not going to give you, I'm going to give you myself. First, uh, I missed a verse so 1 Peter 4, 12, 4, 1 and 2. So I missed this, so let me get to it. Again, this is talking about Jesus Christ. For, therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose. What's the purpose? Because he who has suffered in the flesh, now he's talking about a Christian here, not Jesus, has ceased from sin. So what's our purpose of suffering the way Jesus did? So we cease from sin. We stop doing life our way and start doing life his way. Not that we become perfect. So as to live the rest of the time in this flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. So the purpose would be to think and respond like Jesus. That kind of goes with the, the last point. Now, I want to give you some other uh, things for now, for as you're going through that. So go to the next um, slide. So God knows our pain. So if you're in pain right now, if you're suffering through something right now, you have to understand God knows your pain. He has suffered. Look what it says in First Peter, which by the way, ladies, uh, the, uh, the women's Bible study on Thursday night at 7 o'clock, they're going through First Peter. And I would challenge you, if you're not currently going, go. And you can also go Thursday morning at 10. There's the same Bible study going on. It says this, For you have been called for this purpose. What purpose? To suffer is what verse 20 says. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. Why did Jesus suffer? Why did he do that? So that we might die to sin. And here it is, live to righteousness. 
In other words, do life God's way, for by his wounds you were healed. And so understand that Jesus, God the Son, he understands suffering. He has suffered. He's gone through that. He was the only one who's gone through truly unfair suffering. Because he didn't do anything wrong. He was perfect. He's God. I get that. But he's also man. And as a man, he felt every punch, every piece of spit on his face, every uh, crown that was, or every thorn that was in the crown of thorns, every time the cat and nine tails went around him, every time the nail was thrust into his wrist and into his ankles, he felt that. That was pain. He's, he's experienced greater pain, greater depth of pain than any of us could ever. And he's done it because in an unfair way in that sense, because he didn't deserve it. He suffered mentally, he suffered emotionally, he, su- he suffered physically, he suffered spiritually for us, because of us. And to draw you and me into a relationship with him. That's how we get into that relationship, by trusting him. And that doesn't even speak to the suffering that God the Father experienced watching God the Son. So knowing he knows what human suffering feels like, I just want to fly through these next verses with you. Psalm 46.1 says this, God, again, not a drug, not some sort of other escape, or whatever it is we're going to use. God is our refuge and our strength. We run to him, and he strengthens us. Why? Because he's a very present help in a time of trouble. You're going through trouble. You're going through pain, going through suffering. You need to be in God's presence. However that looks, with his word, in prayer, on your knees, on your face, whatever it is, Psalms talks about crying out to God, crying out to God, getting with your church family, whatever it is, God is a present help in a time of trouble. Go to the next one. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, men, where is this coming out of? Hebrews, nice, very good. We're doing this on Thursday nights. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, our faith in Him. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, because Jesus has been tempted like us, but did not sin, in other words, He knows how to get through this, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Does, does, does Jesus want you coming to Him in prayer? Yeah. So much so you can go with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help when? In our time of need. Our suffering and our pain helps us understand better what our needs are. One of the interesting, I've said this to several different people. What's interesting is that God allows us to go through different um, ways of suffering and pain. He individualizes it. And maybe there's another way to put it. Why? Because he knows that each of us needs to grow in a, in a different area. And so all of ours are different because it's individualized. And the next one. Be anxious for nothing. Which, by the way, is tough when you're suffering, right? But in everything, by prayer, in other words, there's personal worship of God and supplication, asking for what you need, not constantly focus on what's going on, but talking to him, looking at him with thanksgiving, because he's going to use it to make you more like Jesus, let your request be made known to God. And if I do, what happens? And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehensions, 
which by the way, which means you won't be able to explain it, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do it Jesus' way, and God's going to give you himself. He's going to give you peace. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise. Where do you find these things, by the way? Oh, only found in the Bible. That was my note there. Worthy of praise. Dwell on these things day in, day out, no matter what the circumstance. Be in God's Word, finding out what God's Word has to say about these things and dwelling on those things, not dwelling on the suffering, dwelling on what God says. The things which you have learned and received and heard, in other words, what we've been given in the Bible, and seen in me practice day in, day out, and the God of peace will be with you. God's offering you himself to give you peace. Peace doesn't take away the issue. Peace allows you to think and operate and maneuver within the situation. And the last one is this. It has to do with making him known to others. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction. Why? So that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. We'll never know God in a deep, meaningful way unless we go through the suffering. And then when we go through the suffering, just like Isaiah was saying, other people, we're going to find out, are going through similar suffering. And we're going to be able to sit with them. And we're going to be able to tell them, hey, here's my story. Here's what God did in my situation. Man, trust Him. Do what he says to do. I, I, I just took some steps of faith and I didn't really know what I was doing, but I did it. And man, I saw God show up. God interacted. I, I got to see him work in and through my situation. So let me ask you, do you, do you want God, who understands your suffering, by the way, to be there for you? To, to personally give you what you need to go through and to grow through your suffering? If so, and you don't know who Jesus Christ is, I want to challenge you with something. So for our takeaways this morning is this. If you're not a Christian, you've never placed your faith in Christ, I want to challenge you to make Jesus the God of your life. Bring, allow God into your life so he can do the things we've been talking about this morning. And it's simply admitting that you've sinned. You've decided to do life your way, and you've chosen to disobey God, and we've all done that in our lives. So it's, you know, it's not a huge news report here, right? And then we just need to believe. We, we, we believe, which means we put our full weight of trust on the fact that Jesus is the one who died for our sins. And we just confess that. We have a conversation with God, and we say, God, I know that I've sinned. I've separated from you. I've messed up. But I also know and I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin. He took my punishment. I'm asking you to forgive me my sins, and I'm trusting in Christ and Christ alone for my salvation. And at that moment, you, your sins are forgiven, and you become a child of God. And all these things we've been talked about are, are for you to, to be able to grow and become more like Jesus Christ. And like I put it on the bottom here, if that's you, man, just have that conversation with God right here, right now. And, and, and then if you do, I'd just like to know about it. You don't have to tell me, but I would like to know about it. You can tell me about it in the lobby or just fill a card out, a connect card, and on the back you can mark it and say, today I trusted in Christ, or write it in the comment section that you've done that. And then lastly, Christians, 
you know, we've got the same issue. We've got to make Jesus the God of our life. What do I mean by that? God's given us His Holy Spirit. God's given us His Holy Word, the Bible. And God's given us His family, the church family. We need to, to stop going through our suffering and our pain the way we think we should. And do it the way God says to do it. That's what I mean by making Him God of your life. We've already given Him our life, so now let's have Him take our life and trust Him with it. Get into His Word. Spend time in prayer. Let God's Holy Spirit lead you and direct you in that and, and, and teach you. And then let the church family come around you. That's why we're here. That's what we're here for, is to help you. And then when we do that, He's going to allow us to comfort others who are going through the same things that we've gone through. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll close in prayer.